1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision.
0: And our special guest through this coming hour, Liberal Senator Eric Abetz. We're going to talk through issues around vaccinations, certainly lockdowns and mandatory passports, as well as issues around religious discrimination, the idea of religious freedom, as the days, the weeks, the months pass by, we are faced with that stark reality that the COVID pandemic continues to take its toll and there is no end in sight. The latest city to be thrust into lockdown is Canberra after a new infection of COVID recorded yesterday. Lockdown continues in Sydney as the outbreak worsens and Melbourne will stay in its sixth lockdown until at least August 19th. And regional New South Wales has lockdowns spreading far and wide. The health crisis is being fought with the campaign to vaccinate the majority of Australians. But the simmering secondary crisis comes with the precarious balance of public health safety against the rigid rules that rob us of what we might call basic freedoms, diminishing our mental health, lessening our employment security, shaking the confidence in our business viability, and, of course, all of the issues around our family cohesion. On top of that, we are now facing pressure for mandatory vaccine passports creating what some call a two-tiered society, contrasting those who have the vaccine and those who don't or won't. So some questions today that you can respond to and that you might want to engage in as we get our conversation underway. What do you make of the coercion that's coming for mandatory vaccine passports? Are you comfortable that... Your own personal health records are no longer likely to be solely between your doctor and you. How do you feel about showing your papers before being allowed to travel across a border or even eat at your favourite fast food restaurant? Now business is making it mandatory to turn up to work. We'll talk about a case of that that's happening. If business takes control and not the government... Demanding vaccine passports, what does that mean for business controlling your freedoms to be a Christian with a voice, whether you are at work or not? Well, a lot in our conversation today, and you can help direct which way we go. Around all things vaccination and the parallel issue of what's happening to our freedoms, Our talkback line is open, and we're going to open our talkback line early so that uh, you can have an opportunity to perhaps pose a question as we have a conversation like this with our special guest today, Senator Eric Abetz, and I suspect Senator Abetz also has a listening ear for concerns from the wider Christian community. Senator Abetz, let me make a special welcome back to 2020.
1: Good to be on the program again, and thanks for having
0: me. Senator, let me just start with the criticisms of the Prime Minister that seem to be growing and he's being seen to be wishy-washy, pandering to the states, lacking leadership federally. What are your thoughts around the way that the Prime Minister's reputation is actually being seen to uh, to be weak at this time?
1: It stands to reason that the longer this uh, situation continues, that there will be uh, an expression of dissatisfaction with the leadership of the country, irrespective of who is in power. The situation in Australia is that we have diffused authority through a federal system where the federal government is only given so much authority as per the Constitution and all the remaining powers remain with the state government. So, for example the federal government does not run one single hospital. As a result, the federal government has to rely on the state governments in the event people need to be hospitalised because of COVID. And so there is this sharing of power and this cooperation that is required. And uh, when you're on top of the heap, namely the Prime Minister, it stands to reason that uh, people will seek to shift the blame up the line, and it ultimately ends with a Prime Minister. He's got broad shoulders. I think he knows what he's doing. And whilst we are quite right to offer all sorts of criticisms about the way the situation is handled or, with the benefit of hindsight, could have been handled better, there's a fundamental base question that I always ask people, and it's this. In which country would you prefer to be living in at this very moment which tells you how well the government has actually handled the situation and i think most of us would be agree that we're very satisfied that we've been blessed to be able to live in australia during this pandemic
0: there's a lot of issues to raise and let's touch on a number early and listeners might like to join in our conversation with their own input their own questions It appears to be, Senator, that anyone who has an alternative view uh, from the government narrative is accused of disputing the core public health message during a pandemic. There's questions here around freedom, and it's a freedom of speech. It's a freedom of expression that people are feeling as though they are disempowered because there's only one message that comes through. What are your thoughts around the idea that there is a a core message and all other views at this time have been locked out?
1: Sadly, Neil, this is happening within our society, be it on climate change, be it on Indigenous matters, be it on a whole range of issues, and COVID-19 is no different. There is the groupthink, and anybody that wants a slightly nuanced position or has the presence of mind and courage to ask a few questions that might occasion discomfort to some of the authorities, there is this almighty pile-on by everybody to close them down. So if you question the science uh, in relation to climate change, you're immediately a denier and a sceptic. If you ask questions about matters indigenous, You become a racist. And similarly, uh, with the COVID situation now, if you offer an alternative opinion to that which is seen as the core message, you are being irresponsible, anti-science or whatever, despite the fact that there are many men and women very highly qualified and credentialed in the medical and epidemiological world who have expressed certain discomfort with the way things are being done. And I think in a good dynamic society, we should be encouraging the alternate opinions and test them and ask questions of the authorities also allow the authorities to ask the questions of those questioning, because that is how we will get to the truth and the best possible outcome. And that is why I'm always in favour of free speech and the capacity to dissent once upon a time the dissenters were those that believed that the world was round and not flat and the dissenters were finally allowed to speak and I think we are now all agreed the chances are the world is not flat
0: Senator when people have asked me about these sorts of issues and uh, some insisting that I cover uh, issues in a certain way I'll often say have you sent through that concern to the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Authority, or to ATAGI, the people who are recommending different positions on issues around vaccination. But there comes a question here because people don't feel as though they can communicate their concerns to those bodies and they wonder that those bodies are not listening to those doctors who might have alternative arguments. How do we trust the TGA or ATAGI? Is there recommending these things to our government and our medical authorities.
1: The best way to trust these authorities is these authorities to actively engage with people who are putting a counterpoint of view to show why the counterpoint of view is wrong, not just dismiss them with hyperbole to say, well, that is anti the national interest say why it's anti the national interest where is the science wrong where is the epidemiology wrong in putting forward this case and so the provision of information by the authorities has to be uh, forthcoming and has to be out there in a manner that is robust, that is able to withstand questioning, and if it can't withstand questioning, the authorities ought to acknowledge that and possibly nuance their position to that extent to ensure that uh, alternative views are taken into account because the one thing people quite rightly are concerned about in any organisation, and of course it applies to government as well, is that they aren't being listened to. If people are listened to, even if their position is ultimately rejected, if they feel that they've had the chance, the opportunity to put their case and have it considered seriously, then there is a lot greater acceptance if a decision is made against that which they were advocating for. So there has to be respect, there has to be understanding, there has to be engagement, and then at the end of the day mix it all in and come up with a decision that um, is acceptable and uh, is able to withstand questioning.
0: Senator, do you know if there is an alternative view forum uh, for the TGA or ATAGI as they are making recommendations to uh, the government? Is there a forum where people can actually have their view heard?
1: Look, uh, the forum it, uh, should be the parliamentarians and uh other people in public life who can feed that information into them. It stands to reason that as a government, as a nation, you can only have one ultimate authority, such as uh, Therapeutic Goods Australia or ATAGI. There has to be one final decision maker, but those final decision makers need to treat Uh, with respect and consider seriously uh, alternate points of view and respond to them in a respectful, appropriate manner so that there is a proper dialogue on the basis of the issues, on the basis of the facts, and not on the basis of hyperbole and uh, trying to shame people into silence. And so, look, uh, your local federal parliamentarian, your local senator, they're the people to whom... uh, Constituents or uh, the Australian citizens can write to, email to, telephone, and put an alternate point of view, which any uh, self respecting parliamentarian should then forward on to the Minister for Health or to the appropriate authority.
0: We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question for Senator Abetz today. 1-800-316-316. You can also respond with a question on our Facebook post today, which simply says, and a very simple question, Senator Eric Abetz is our guest on 2020 what question would you like to ask him? And uh, given that our conversation is around vaccines and it will evolve into issues around our freedoms, the freedoms of every Australian and uh, the way that religious freedoms are a part of that, you can respond to that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. In fact, why don't we take some calls and uh, we'll let listeners in on, uh, on our conversation today. Michael is on the line from Toowoomba. Hello, Michael. Welcome. Hello,
2: Neil. How are you? And
0: Eric? Well, thank you, you, you Michael. Going? What are your That's
2: thoughts? Good. I'm just uh, inquiring. It concerns me with the uh, vaccination passports and vaccination mandatory things that are being talked about. Uh, I was just listening to an uh, interview with the NRL the other day. They said we'd like to have everyone who watches the footy needs to have a vaccination. Um, That sounds good in theory, but I just can't help but wonder where will this stop? Will it come to the stage where one day um, people will not be able to go to the grocery store uh, because people in the grocery store don't want to be in the store with somebody
1: who is not vaccinated? Where will this stop? Senator Abetz. Michael, very good question, and uh, recently I did an opinion piece in one of the local papers in Tasmania asking exactly that question, that if they're not allowed to go to the football, would you deny them the right to go to the the market, in which case, how are they going to be able to buy food and engage as a normal citizen? In relation to these vaccine passports that some people are proposing, there are two issues. There's the practical side and the principle side. The principle side, I fully agree that we should have uh, the right as a community, to decide not to be vaccinated if that is what the individual wants. And so as soon as everybody who wants to be vaccinated has been vaccinated, then we should be getting back to normal as quickly as possible. But the practical side, which has not been discussed as it should be discussed within the community, is simply this. The manufacturers of the vaccine are acknowledging that just because you're vaccinated does not mean that you can't catch COVID or be infectious and pass it on. So you could have the ludicrous position where I am fully vaccinated, but have COVID and am infectious. I show my pass and I'm allowed straight into the football Whereas somebody who is not vaccinated, does not have COVID and is not infectious, is denied access. What you ought to do with a football in the event that there is a concern about COVID and infectiousness is to take people's temperature where they don't have to give their name, address and other things. And if you have a temperature above a certain amount, you're simply not allowed in for uh, that particular game. And I think that would be a lot better way of monitoring things than disclosing and encroaching on people's privacy. But look, with these vaccine passports, there's the issue of the practical nature of it. And the evidence seems to be that if you are vaccinated and you catch COVID, you'll... You won't get as heavy a dose of it, but you'll still be infectious. And, of course, there's the principled side, which is that the government should not be prying into all our health choices. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events.
0: Senator Eric Abetz, our guest. Talk back line open 1 800 316 316. You can respond to a question on Facebook saying, Do you have a question that you would like to pose for Senator Abetz? It could be on any issue, though we are focusing on vaccinations today and the lockdowns and uh, the idea of these passports uh, as well as we're going to be touching on religious freedom and uh, senator before we take any more calls SPC in Victoria uh, they've decided to mandate covid-19 vaccines and uh, just coupling that onto the back of our last caller uh, who was talking about the NRL talking about uh, you know having a vaccine Uh, mandatory nature of having the vaccine to even go and watch a football game. Uh, This seems to be, uh, and I wonder whether SPC is a little bit like a guinea pig company, but uh, handballing, to use another football analogy, to business, to look after the freedoms of Australia, this sounds uh, ludicrous. What are your thoughts here for what's developing around SPC?
1: I've already spoken publicly about the SPC approach. Uh, I think they will face unfair dismissal charges if they push ahead with this. Uh, It is quite a ludicrous proposition, quite frankly, that a canning factory believes that its uh, um, staff need to be uh, vaccinated and if they aren't, they will be dismissed. Uh, I've really got to ask the question, one, in practical terms, does SPC really believe that if you are vaccinated, you cannot catch COVID and you won't be infectious? The answer is, according to all the authorities, yes, you will still catch COVID and you will still be infectious. So one wonders why they're doing that on that front. But look, a canning factory is not what you would call a frontline operation and With these things, Neil, you've always got to take a nuanced approach, case-by-case approach, and ask, how important is it? And so, for example, there's the possibility, I've got an open mind on this, that if you are a paramedic or an ambulance officer, first responder... Dealing with people that are seriously ill, seriously injured or whatever, you would not want that ambulance worker to unwittingly pass on COVID and with people with their health so prejudiced requiring an ambulance, then possibly literally being given the death knell of on top of all their uh, problems and so if an authority were to say look if you're an ambulance uh, person we uh, need you to be vaccinated I can sort of understand that but for a canning factory give me a break there's no rationale
0: The question is here around who draws the lines for what because I don't think you'll get too many dispute the idea that emergency workers ought not to have that vaccination. The question here of course is should business have the right to set their their own rules and this is what business seems to be taking into their own responsibility mm-hmm. and this plays into issues around freedoms religious freedom and whether people can actually have a public faith statement on their own time if businesses set the rules religious freedoms could well be gone next yes. next oh, it's what comes yes. next that people are concerned about mm-hmm. Neil, and
1: and that is a very valid point, and one wonders why uh, the SPC management thought that this was such a good idea. I think they're now saying, oh, they've got a duty of care for for their employees. Well, the duty of care to the employees, I would have thought, would be satisfied by saying, if you want the COVID jab, we will give you time off work to get it. But if you don't want it, well, that's a risk you take just as much as those that have the jab uh, may potentially be taking a risk by having the jab, albeit my own view is it's a limited risk. But I understand that there are arguments around that. But. There has to be some sort of uh, sensible, common-sense, rational approach and a canning factory saying that their workers are somehow in danger uh, from fellow workers. Are we then going to say that uh, an employer has the right to say, you're a smoker, I don't want you in my workforce, or you might drink at night, I don't want you in my workforce, um, really does become, uh, I think, quite inappropriate because whether you're vaccinated or not, bears no relationship to your capacity to do your work at a canning factory. So I hope SPC reconsider.
0: And again, Senator, this is an issue, isn't it, of leadership, because if business is taking this into their own uh, realm of responsibility, they're not seeing government leadership here either. Senator, before we take some more questions, and there are lots of people lined up for uh, being part of the conversation, let me ask you about your political future here because we've had some conversations on this program about Christian politicians, and you're very open about your Christian faith. Uh, We honour you for that. Uh, But there's a number of Christian politicians who appear to be moving out of their parliamentary role at the end of this term. Uh, Just wondering about your own position here because, as I understand it, you've been allocated third place on your Senate ticket and that may not give you a uh, an ability to continue serving beyond the next election. Any uh, thoughts on your own future before we take another call?
1: Neil, look, thanks for that. Uh, my future is precarious, uh There's no two ways about that. Unfortunately, uh, by a very narrow margin, uh, the Liberal Party Senate selectors in Tasmania determined that I should uh, take the third position on the ticket. And, uh, of course, that was a disappointment to me, but uh, that is the decision that was made. So uh, it will be exceptionally difficult, but still doable. And I'll be doing everything between now and the next election to encourage people to ensure that I am re-elected to the... Senate and uh, give, it, give me the privilege of uh, continuing to serve to the very best of my ability
0: and uh, that detail for listeners uh, as we seek comment today uh, from Senator Abetz and uh, given the circumstances uh, let's assume uh, Senator that you might be open to be more critical of the way things are going because of your own future so let's continue to take some calls Bruce is on the line from miles in Queensland Bruce welcome along what are your thoughts
2: Yeah, mate, uh, uh, there's a document which was written in 1984. I'll share with you what site that's on shortly. It details all the distancing, the social distancing. It details the second wave, the third wave, fifth wave, and so on and so forth, like Victoria's going through. And it also details martial law. Now, we're in 21 nearly uh, 22, that was all those years ago, and now I'll share with you where that document is. You may have heard of the Illuminati, or you may know them as the shadow government in America. You may have heard them being the International Monthly Fund. They are the ones that were were formed in 1776, when they wrote their mandate, part of their mandate is to eliminate 80% of the world's population to give nature somewhere to grow. Well, they don't give a stuff about nature either, by the way. Um, And... Having a nineteen eighty four document written by them on their website was a Nigerian pastor that brought this to my attention
0: because they don't chase the Illuminati on their website normally. Uh, Bruce, I think we've got the gist of your comment here. This idea that there are other forces that hold the strings and the governments of the world become puppets. Uh, to those who are enforcing their own power grab. Uh, Erica Betts, this is one of the things that does concern a lot of people, that there are others who appear to be in control and calling the shots. I wonder whether you've got a response uh, from your position as a senator, whether that actually happens. There
1: are a number of if you like, conspiracy theories that circulate within the community, I always take them with a grain of salt. But that said, I also look to ensure that our democratic processes are such that we can influence our decisions in Australia through the democratic process and don't have them overridden courtesy of some international agreement or some other influence and I think that is what motivated the people of the United Kingdom to vote for Brexit to get out of the European Union because they were finding that despite having elections and policies for the United Kingdom there were authorities in Brussels where the European Union is based saying well You may well want to do that, but the European authority says you can't. Well, uh, the English people spoke, thank goodness, and they're now out of the European Union. So what I would say to everybody is... Ensure that you guard democracy, guard the possibility to have your say at local government elections, state government and federal elections to ensure that you can actually influence the outcomes and not uh, outsource that to authorities and people that are not democratically elected.
0: Just on the point that Bruce was making, the idea of martial law. Now, uh, we might say uh, that given the lockdowns and given the police presence that is trying to uh, cause people to uh, obey uh, those things that we would sometimes see as overstepping our freedoms, uh, the idea that we may be moving towards this idea of a police state which might be a precursor to that idea of martial law. And whenever we've seen in different cities uh, soldiers on the street, even though they are supporting police, uh, there's that feeling that there's this insecurity. And, uh, and this idea, no wonder uh, some of those theories gain popularity because this is what people are seeing on the streets.
1: Uh, People are seeing this on the street and especially for our immigrant communities, refugee communities that have fled countries where that is the norm, it must be quite chilling. And that is why I think the police and other authorities from time to time need to take a bit of a chill pill in the way that they enforce The regulations, and we can't blame the police or defence personnel because they are doing as they are asked and that which is required of them. So uh, let's be um, understanding of their difficult position. But I think sometimes they could seek to undertake their role with a bit of a softer hand. But uh, that said, I don't, yeah, it goes against every instinct of mine. To have to check into a place with a WhatsApp these days to, uh, you know, you go to a restaurant, you've got to check yourself in, um, goes against every instinct. Similarly, having police or defence personnel roaming the streets sort of asking, are you genuinely on your one hour walk or whatever? Gaze against every instinct and that is why uh, I would like to see this uh, curtailed as much as possible and we come back to normality as soon as possible. And I think one of the things we need to come to grips with is that we are not going to obliterate COVID. Uh, We started off with flattening the curve I was right behind that, I think everybody was, to ensure we had sufficient personal protective equipment, ventilators, hospital beds were made available, etc., in case the pandemic became exceptionally serious. But we seem to have morphed from that into a COVID zero where we think we can obliterate it. I don't think that's going to happen, and I think we need to start saying We've got to learn to live with it and return to normal. The United Kingdom's doing it. Uh, A lot of the European countries are doing it. And yes, there are consequences, but there are mental health consequences, huge economic consequences as well, which will have to be dealt with by this generation and the next generation, and I suspect the one after that. Uh, with the indebtedness that uh, our nations are incurring so lots of factors to be considered and at the end of the day the one thing that we should never outsource to government is our right to our innate
0: freedoms Taking calls, thank you so much to Bruce one eight hundred 316 let's hear from Ray in Brisbane, oh, yeah, hello uh, Ray some,
3: uh, some are up to 95% off,
0: Right, Ray, are you with us? Hello? I'm oh, sorry. Hello? Ray, yes, what are your thoughts?
3: Oh, so sorry about this, because I've been waiting for one hour, so I didn't pay attention.
0: I'm really sorry. Okay, Ray, um, you know, what's your um, question quickly?
3: Okay, um, actually, can I make a comment first and then, and then make a question? The, very the quickly. Comment is, uh, okay, very quickly. Um, I think everyone who doesn't... Um, Uh, agree with that mandatory vaccine thing is very selfish. Let's all ask ask ourselves this question. If someone that we love actually catch coronavirus and die from it, will you still go against the mandatory um, coronavirus rule? Number two is, um, you you said there will be a two-tier society. I totally disagree with that. If we are all mandatory to have... um, The the vaccine, then there will be only one tier because everyone has it. The 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 last thing that I want to address is um um I'm sorry
0: I'm probably run out of time. Okay, let's stay with those two points, Uh, Senator Abetz. Your thoughts for Ray in
1: Brisbane? I've heard those arguments, and uh, with respect to Ray, uh, to say that if everybody does everything as the government demands, then of course you will only have the one tier. That sounds exceptionally authoritarian to me. And uh, in a society that is a smaller liberal, democratic society, we should not be seeking to mandate everybody to, let's say, wear black shoes or brown shoes. We should be encouraging people to have a diversity of opinions and approaches. And so to say uh, we can get rid of the two-tier system by forcing everybody else um, That has all the hallmarks of dictatorship and authoritarianism, which goes against every instinct uh, within me. And in not getting a a COVID jab uh, to say that those people are selfish, look, let's be clear I'm halfway through my vaccination. I've had one jab. I encourage people to be vaccinated, but. I also respect those that have a differing opinion to my own in relation to that. And so we need to be tolerant of each other and to say to somebody, because you've decided not to be vaccinated for whatever reason, you will be denied access to the supermarket or to the football or to move freely within your community is just, from my perspective, way over the top and it denies people freedom of choice um, and medical privacy and what do we do with those people in our community who, for whatever medical reason, may have been advised by the medical authorities that, in fact, having the jab might be too much of a risk for them? Do we say because you have this underlying medical condition and you can't be vaccinated, you should therefore be denied from going to the supermarket? So we need a common-sense approach and this sort of very dogmatic one-size-fits-all Uh, that Ray was talking about goes against every instinct and every basis on which Australian society has been based on for the last couple of hundred years.
0: Ray in Brisbane, thank you so much for your call. Just before we take another call, I know that there'll be some thinking. Here we are listening to a government senator, liberal senator for Tasmania, and saying many of the things that listeners will have been concerned about and not hearing these things coming on the national platforms, in the national mainstream media, not being talked about. Uh, And some will say, listening to you, Senator, uh, you must be here pointing a finger of blame at the states because if this is the federal government's uh, position that you're reflecting or that these are the arguments that are being talked about in the party room, then the states are the big ogres in all of this, and uh, there is a need for them to take note of the sorts of things we're talking about today. How do you feel about what is happening around the states in Australia uh, in this sense of uh, the, the contrast between a federal position and the states?
1: There is a fluid situation and lots of things are being spoken about as we uh, are speaking uh, on this program. There is talk about compulsory vaccination. There is talk about uh, vaccination passports. Thankfully, the Prime Minister has said that compulsion with vaccination is not what uh, Australians would want and for what it's worth the Australian Immunisation Handbook for example says immunisation should only take place with valid consent and valid consent cannot be obtained by undue pressure or coercion and telling somebody that unless you get vaccinated you will lose your job I think most of us would agree that would be coercion and so there are things that have to be worked through and considered. So these things are matters of open public discussion, and I welcome that because that is what should be happening in a democratic society that we discuss these things. I think some of the states um, have been a bit quick to try to uh, point at each other and say, look at the good job we're doing compared to you, and uh, the state rivalries come out, which I find quite disappointing and sometimes immature. Um, I think we at one stage had the Deputy Premier of Queensland saying, why would anybody want to visit this other state anyway? Uh, It's that sort of language that in a situation that we face is uh, not what is acceptable. I would have liked to have seen a more coherent approach to the... um, To the pandemic, that's where the National Cabinet could have and, in fact, should have come together. But we have these different rulings. In my home state of Tasmania, Neil, the racing industry was closed down. No other state did so. In Victoria, they closed down the golf courses for a while. The Northern Territory never closed down one single school. All the other states did. And so there's this incoherent approach which is a bit of a worry. Um, Same with border closures. At the moment, I understand the ACT is in in a one-week lockdown, but if you're coming from the ACT to another state, you now need 14 days quarantining or home isolation. So the question then is if they left the seven-day lockdown in the ACT, do the others still uh, have to do their other seven days of quarantining or home isolation? So... Having a consistent approach, I think, would be very helpful.
0: Taking calls. In fact, uh, let's put a line under calls. Take one more. Cliff is in Tamworth in New South Wales. Uh, Cliff, welcome along. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, Cliff, you're in lockdown, aren't you? Yes, we're in lockdown up here. Okay. Quickly, what, what is your question or your comment today?
2: I believe that the media is not reporting the whole facts and in fact try, uh, trying to uh, have people uh, be in fear of contacting contacting this virus where we know that people are dying daily from different other sources but we don't hear in the media how many people are dying from this or how many people are dying from that and I, I looked into Google and I questioned Google how many deaths were in Australia through suicide now they said there was over 3,000 people died through suicide in Australia. Now, I think these lockdowns are leading people into that situation where they're desperate, they might have businesses, they've had to spend a lot of money to get started on, and now suddenly they have no income.
0: Cliff, you're raising a very important point here, and uh, whether the numbers are accurate or not, uh, people that I speak to, Senator, Uh, around issues of psychological counselling, of a regular psychiatrist who appears. Uh, We are often talking about the rising anxiety. Uh, There are a lot of different times when mental health has come to the fore as being a significant uh, outcome of what's happening with the lockdowns. Uh, Those sorts of things are not being reported, and if they're not reported, people feel as though they're having the wool pulled over their eyes. What are your thoughts for Cliff here?
1: Cliff makes a very good point. In 2017, for example, there were 1,300 deaths in Australia from the flu. We haven't quite hit, as I understand it, 1,000 deaths over 18 months from COVID. And so let's put some of these things uh, into perspective. And I think Cliff uh, does make a very good point. Lifeline recently got over, I think... I stand to be corrected, but I think about 3,800 calls, which was the highest level ever, and they put it down to lockdown. So uh, there, there is the health imperative, and I understand that. There's also the mental health imperative. There's also the economic imperative, and those three need to be mixed together, and then democratically elected leaders need to make decisions on the basis of all factors, of all considerations. And uh, that is uh, the imperative for those that have the uh, privilege of being leaders in our nation and in our state at the moment.
0: Uh, Well, thank you so much to Cliff for your call. And time has run out in today's conversation. And uh, so much more to talk about, Senator. And I might just say that while we've had a lot of questions that have been coming through on our Facebook page, uh, there is this thought that we're hoping that someone in your office or you yourself personally may be able to respond to some of those questions that people are asking. So uh, the Facebook post that we have today is at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. And no doubt there'll be listeners who'll be responding through the day. And and no doubt your staff won't be available through the whole day, Senator, but uh, I wonder whether we could ask you to uh, respond to some of those questions that listeners might have, those different concerns that they have, and uh, and just as uh, a courtesy to those who didn't get a chance to have their comment or ask their question today. Uh, Senator Abetz, time has run out. Uh, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with us and, uh, you know, to take away uh, those thoughts that listeners have shared as a way of having a listening ear to the Christian community, there are significant issues that we are all confronting. Nobody's talking about these issues of our freedoms and especially our religious freedom. would have liked to have gone into all sorts of depth with regard to the religious discrimination bill that has been promised by your government and has not yet been delivered, religious freedom for Australians. Those are significant issues. And, Senator, we're hopeful that in these times to come that you might be able to represent as you so clearly have been able to show today a Christian uh, dimension to your politics. And uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to share these thoughts with us today on 2020.
1: Neil, thank you very much. Thanks for the privilege. And I'll get my staff to have a look and uh, I will then respond to those that have uh, posted uh, questions on your Facebook post.